0: Welcome to episode six of Spiritual Girl Boss, the podcast. Today's episode is going to be one I think that is one of probably the most important podcasts um, or lessons that I will share. And I need to start by apologising for the terrible background noise uh, today. There are people doing works outside our building, um, but rather than wait, I decided to just uh, get this podcast episode recorded so hopefully it doesn't interrupt the sound too much. So the topic of today's podcast episode is I've launched my brand so now so what or maybe it should be I've launched my brand now what's next Um, which both essentially mean the same thing. So let me get started and let me get straight into this. This is something that I definitely have experienced myself, but it's probably the number one challenge that I see most business owners faced with, um, particularly for online brands. There is a lot of work involved in, you know, dreaming up your idea, getting started, working on building the website, creating your product, creating your socials, and that can take a really long time. That process uh, varies from anywhere from, uh, I don't know, three to six months up to a couple of years for some people that's what I want to call like the pre-launch phase now often we spend so much time in this stage it's really exciting Um, there's so much work that goes on there's a lot of financial kind of investment during this stage that then what happens is we go to launch the product um, or you press go on the website and not much happens you might get a couple of sales because you've advertised it well, and family and friends are sharing it, and all the rest of it, which we're going to talk more about um, during this episode. However, during that pre-launch phase, what happens is we tend to be so focused on designing the product, getting the product right, working on our branding, getting our socials looking great, um, you know, designing the website, doing photo shoots, all the really important things that go into to launching a product that we don't necessarily always spend a lot of time thinking or working towards our launch phase and post-launch phase, which ultimately is equally, if not more important, than pre-launch. That's because you've now got a product that's out there and really you're not going to see a return on your investment unless people know that you've launched this product. It can be the most heartbreaking, I guess, deflating feeling when you've worked so hard you've poured your heart and soul into this new product it can be a fashion label it can be a beauty product it can and literally be anything and then you really don't see much traction that uh that how long that stage goes on for can really be years um, and I do believe it's kind of one of the the main reasons why a lot of businesses will fail in the first few years is because there wasn't enough emphasis or there still isn't enough emphasis put on building that traction now just because we have or you might have the most incredible product doesn't mean that people know about you so with online it's a little bit different to having a physical store where you could maybe fit out the most incredible you know shop uh, on a busy road and you'll be lucky because you're getting foot traffic. People are walking past your store every day. Now, sure, even with a store, with a, a bricks and mortar store, you'll need to do a lot more around marketing um, to get, you know, visibility. Even with restaurants, you need to to do specific things to get people to find out about you. But you do have often the luxury of people walking by. Now, when we launch a brand, people might think, yeah, but Google—they're just going to type in the word and they're going to find us. So let me start there. There's a process um, with Google. Now, I'm going back about six years to when I first launched Silk. It used to take about six months um, on average for Google to really crawl a new website. And essentially what that means is they'll eventually go through um, your website. They'll find all the keywords on there. There's a whole lot of topics around um, SEO, search engine optimization, which I'm not going to get in a lot today, but maybe I'll make it another podcast episode because that is an episode on its own and it's something that changes all the time but essentially what that means is search engine optimization or seo is really every time you you search in let me think of something um fake eyelashes melbourne what search engine or seo does is it will instantaneously search the globe or in this case search keywords in Melbourne for, and I'm really simplifying this here, um, but it will search websites that have the closest match to those keywords that you've entered into Google for this example. And then what it will do is it will filter the results. Now, those results can in some cases, you know, produce millions of results or they might produce thousands of results. Now, often when you first launch a brand fresh, you're If somebody searches um, false eyelashes Melbourne, you won't even appear on Google search if you're not doing any paid advertising at this stage, if you've just simply launched. And that's because in most cases, Google hasn't even gone over, discovered your website yet. It hasn't gone through all the words. It hasn't crawled to see how many times you've used the word false eyelashes and then used Melbourne if you're doing localised targeting. It hasn't actually gone and done that process yet. And then there's another step to that process, which it then needs to, once it has discovered your website, and again, that, maybe it takes longer now. So again, I, I don't have the current uh, length of time, but I'm assuming it's probably somewhat the same as when we launched six months ago. It does a second part of that. It's, the, it's like a relevance um, check. So, okay, you might have lots of uh, words, you know, lash, eyelashes, Melbourne, etc. But how relevant are you based on past searches that are similar to that um, particular search, how many times have people actually stayed on that particular website that they that they uh, clicked on? So what that means is if I'm looking for false eyelashes in Melbourne and it's come up with, you know, 20,000 results and I've clicked on, let's say, the first five results because I'm, I'm wanting to, you know, compare... Which ones did I pretty much leave instantly? Which ones did I stay on and read long enough? And then it starts sort of ranking the most relevant and rewarding, if you like, the most um, relevant websites. So that's sort of essentially, I guess, why initially when you launch, if you're thinking that Google's just going to take care of traffic for you, that is definitely not the case. So now let's talk about um, some areas that may be able to help so yes you can do things like google ads so a lot of what we talk about today is going to depend on whether or not you've factored in having any sort of budget even a small budget for any sort of post-launch marketing so you're not going to be able to really get free google traffic um, in when you first launch until google's discovered your website and then you might want to play around with doing some um, you know, well, first let's start there, making sure that your website does have a lot of these important words on them. So let's say you're a fashion brand and you focus a lot on black mini dresses, really making sure, particularly on your homepage, the homepage is so important. You know, have you got things like headers on your homepage that really reinforce uh, you know, black mini dresses? And it might sound like overkill and it might seem like oh I've got that on my website 30 times. But this is one of the most important things and and one of the reasons I think, you know, internally at Silk why we have a blog on our website, which is, again, another free option for you Um, because we really want to try and get all of our keywords. So keywords for your brand will be all of the things, if you think of it this way, all of the things that people search into or type into Google when they're searching for you. So in our case, it's obviously going to be Silk Pillowcases. It might be Silk Scrunchies. These are what we would call our key search words, things that people are searching for. So it's not enough to just have them on our website as a product title. We we definitely need to have them, you know, all over our website. We need to write blog posts, you know, a lot about them. Um, so these are all the things that if you're just starting to launch a brand or you've already got a brand and you're thinking, oh, how can I get some more, you know, free, I guess, traffic to my website? One of the things that I would strongly suggest is you have a review of your own website and really First and foremost, it would be to make a list. What are all those key search words? So let's say you're in baby products and you sell dummies and you sell, I don't know, pacifiers or you sell uh, nappy, you know, little things to put over nappies, whatever it is. Making sure, write down your list. These are all the things that we sell. These are all the things that people might write when they're searching for us. And then actually go on your website and have a look at how many times those words appear. Now, if it's not that much and if it's not on different pages, so on the home page. Um, on a product page, maybe on a blog article, lots and lots of different pages because remembering that's how Google is going to find you when you are not paying for ads. They're going to be crawling and looking for those search words and then hopefully the content on your website and the products are are very specific and they match what people are searching for and then that's what Google likes. They like serving up the right product to the person that's searching for them. So there's no point putting in search uh, lots of words on your site that really don't reflect your product just to bring traffic because then you'll get what what is called bouncing. People will just bounce off your site and actually you get penalized um, with Google. So that's, you know, don't try and put a million words on there trying to just, you know, maybe you, you don't sell prams but you start putting prams on there because you think, well, that's a mum. Well, if someone's looking for a pram and they come on your site and you're only selling, you know, dummies and bibs, then that's that's a bad user experience. So just be really careful there with that. So going back to the topic, you've launched um, now what? I think one of the most, going back to where this article or this podcast came from, a lot of my clients definitely, definitely feel that. They sort of, they launch a product and in the first three to six months or first three to six weeks even, they're like, oh, Olivia, like I'm just not getting any sales. I'm not getting any traffic to my site. Like what can I do? What's happening? Maybe their brand is three years old and they're still kind of feeling like there's just not a lot of organic traction happening. Now, there are so many different uh, responses or answers I could give to this, but I think if we start at the beginning, like what I've just said, you really do need to almost go back to the beginning. And it doesn't matter how old your brand is, you know, th- this podcast alone has prompted me to, to do some of this stuff myself uh, this month to go back and really have a look at what can I refresh? Are there new things I can be doing? But I would certainly start there having a look at your website and, you know, how, you know, blog articles are amazing because it allows you to write really lengthy bits of content. And educational content is really important for your consumer. Doesn't matter if you're in fashion, if you're in babies, if you're in, I don't know, consumer products, whatever it is. If you can put some really value add content. So, let's say you sell drink bottles, maybe you can start doing some really cool um, blog articles on the importance of remaining hydrated, or you know how many liters of water we're supposed to be drinking per day, or the benefits of drinking water. So things like that are not directly. About You don't have to write about a drink bottle as such, but you do need to write, um, you know, really valuable educational pieces of content where you can include, you know, in some cases, clicks to purchase your products, but you can also include your search words, you know, repetitively uh, on those blog articles. So I'm going to leave that part there, but that just... That probably just helps to clarify when if you've just launched a new brand why you're not even seeing yourself appear on google yes uh, we should probably talk about that yes of course you can do some google ads Uh, i'm not going to i guess talk much about that because everybody's budget will vary and some people may not have much of a budget that's an important part if you didn't allocate any budget for post-launch then you're going to be really reliant on ways in which you can get free traffic to your site which is definitely the hardest. Um, You know, nothing is free as they say (laughs) in this world. Um, So that's going to be, that's going to require a lot more work for you. You're not able to pay to bring traffic. If you're not doing any Facebook ads, you're having to, I guess, think a lot more around, you know, can you do collaborations? You're going to have to do a lot more gifting. You're going to have to do things that um, don't require, and it's not to say you can't do it or it can't be done, um, but it's going to be probably the most time consuming. It will be the slower of the two options. Now for some things that I think are important factors when launching a brand, if getting traction, if getting some sort of steady growth is important to you in the early days, I do think that it is important to consider PR. Now when do you launch PR is ultimately up to you. I've seen brands recently who from day one, they have launched with a PR agency and then the PR agency's job is, to get their product essentially in the hands of a lot of people, which makes your product appear as though uh, it's, it's everywhere and people, I guess, like seeing the fact that a product has been everywhere, which then, you know, it gets visibility for your brand, it, it does a lot of exposure and then people will certainly follow you on Instagram and you will see that you'll get traffic to your website and then it's up to your website, I guess, to convert people and your product and your price point. So there's a lot involved in that. I think that PR is definitely one of the more expensive um, monthly fixed options but I do think it is one of those important ones if you're sitting there maybe a couple of years in even and you're thinking oh, I'm just not getting anywhere. I do think that at some point trying to put together a budget to have even a six-month um, really targeted PR campaign is definitely A good option. Now, I did study PR when I was 30. I did a short course at RMIT, or I can't remember which TAFE it was, I did did one in Melbourne. Um, You can do the PR yourself so long as you have good relationships and you're happy to, again, add that workload. That would require you doing a lot of press releases, sending things out to editors definitely spending a lot of your day on gifting. So again, going back to when I first launched Silk, we did all of our PR in-house for the first kind of, I don't know, at least six months. And a lot of that would have been sending our product to, gosh, if I think about it, hundreds of, uh, you know, influencers or people online for the first kind of few months. So I've also had people say, oh, but that's a cost and, you know, I, I don't have that product to spare. Well, if you think about it, the cost of your product and sending that out as a gift is certainly your probably your cheapest form of marketing because you need to look at it as the cost of the product to you, not the recommended retail price. So if you've got a product that costs you $10 to make but you're selling it for $40, you're not looking at it as it costing you $40 every time, you're looking at it costing you 10 plus shipping. So. You're not going to get, I don't think, um, you know, a good ad on Facebook for let's call it $16 including shipping that might have exposure to 20,000 people. That's probably unlikely to happen. So gifting your product and getting your product in the hands of, you know, influencers that potentially have less than 10,000 people. Um, These people have usually tend to have a super engaged audience. They have people that are more, I guess, likely to be looking for new products that are out there so you want to make sure that the people that you're gifting to though that their audience makes sense to your product so there's not a lot of point finding as an example you don't want to be finding um, you know male gym enthusiasts if your product is heavily female focused you want to find people that are in essentially the same age bracket as you and that might have a demographic that matches the one that you're wanting to get traffic for So I would say that definitely gifting your product and when you, if you're in the stage where you're starting out, I would always, always factor in double the stock that you're hoping to sell. I would double it and have that amount to gift uh, in the early days. So literally, it is about getting as much of your product out there into the market so that people can see it. They can, you know, you've got content that you can now share. Um, So that's a really important Piece of, I guess, getting traction and building and growing some momentum for your brand. Other things that you might be able to do um, that, you know, Facebook is, you know, these are all things that I know have been around and they, they don't sound revolutionary. But rather than just going on and trying to put on any old Facebook ad, you might want to start small and test it yourself. So that might be that you go into your insights section on Instagram and you find out what content people have actually engaged with and just start having a play around with a very small budget on some of the content that you know people are already engaging with. Now, I will be the first to say I have lost a lot of money trying to run, you know, bigger campaigns on Facebook. I'm certainly not a Facebook expert. We have in the past engaged with agencies, Um, you know, things that cost money, you know, with digital spend, they also do take time. So sometimes it's, you've got to look at it to say, well, if it's going to take me three to six months to start building some really solid funnels, that's got a cost of, if you're using an agency, let's call it $6,000 a month just for their services. Uh, You're going to have to, I don't know, allocate at least $30,000 to have an agency, a good agency. And that just blows a lot of people out of the water. It's certainly not uh, an expense that people often just have readily available. So therefore, if you are not at the stage where you can use an agency, you will have to do things. There's a lot of great courses you can find, uh, online. I think one of them is called Lady Startup, um, and one of them I can't remember the exact name, but um, I think her name's. I'll, I'll try and um, I'll try and put an article about the lady I'm thinking about uh on a blog, oh sorry, on an Instagram post uh, on spiritual girl boss um, later today with some maybe with some resources that you can try but facebook's one of those ones that you're just going to have to get in you're just going to have to test and learn uh, another great little resource that you can use is it's called facebook ads library now facebook ads library anybody can go onto on google and you can literally put in any brand and put in a date time let's call it the last 12 months or the last month um, you can search by country or worldwide and it will literally show you all the current ads that um, a particular brand is displaying. So if we take Nike as an example, you could put Nike in, you could put Australia and you could put the last month and you'll see all the current active ads that Nike have out on Facebook. This will allow you to see the type of content that brands are using, you know, what words are they using, what visuals are they using, is it offer-based, um, you know, are there people in it, is it product only. So Facebook Ads Library I think is a really great resource because you do need to do a lot of research around what sort of ads really work on Facebook. Let's move on from Facebook. Um, What else? To go back to the point, I think hopefully I'm reinforcing now that it's not enough to simply build out a great brand or build out a great product, um, maybe have somewhat of a following that, you know, as part of your pre launch, you definitely focused, which you should do, definitely focused on gathering, um, hopefully, an engaged audience on your socials. It's not enough to just rely on that once you launch because it might get you through the first month, um, but if you just rely on your own following, you're not going to get continued traction. So you are going to have to continually keep doing. Often it's not doing new things. Often it is doing these things that I'm talking about today just over and over and over again. So gifting as an example, six years in, gifting now is just not a second thought for us. We literally just gift our product every week. It's just part of our, you know, part of doing business is that you just have to get your product out there. So I think that would be a definite place to start. I know that when you first launch a brand, because if I put myself six years ago, I definitely did have that feeling like, oh, I can't afford to be giving a product that's $180 away. And this would apply to people in fashion. This would apply to every people selling anything for $50, $100. I really need to reinforce this. You are not giving away $180. The product did not cost you $180. It did not cost you $50. You are simply giving away a product that cost you the true cost price. And the reason it's so important is because once again, six years in, that is still our cheapest, most effective form of marketing. But you need to do it regularly. You need to be consistent. You need to have a process in place. You need to constantly follow people up. Don't assume that just because you've sent something to someone that they're going to post about it. You need to be very clear on what you're asking so you can create things like a little, I guess, your brand um, guidelines of you know the sort of content that you want them to post, how you want it to look. Um, you know are you going to use codes are you going to give these influencers a code to use so that you can see if you and track sales that's a really important one Um, but yeah it's just that you can't just do it one month and oh it's not working and then maybe you know come back to it 12 months later you really do need to to include this as part of your as I said part of doing business this needs to become a weekly uh, occurrence Um, I think what else I think yeah just things like content making sure that you're constantly pushing content out is really important even if you think no one's watching you just need to continue continually put content out because we all know now with all the algorithms people do not see all of your content so you just need to be making sure that you're regularly posting content no matter how small your audience is make sure that content is something that you're again doing daily i think um you know trying things like doing giveaways with other brands is you know, hugely important. They may, it may not convert to sales, but again, this is just exposure for your brand. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a shorter podcast today, but I think the message here really is, it is disheartening when you launch a brand, uh, that it takes a long time for you to kind of get it off the ground. But at some point you are going to have to realize you are going to have to reinvest the money. So maybe you didn't have a huge budget when you first started but you do need to initially be quite um, disciplined with the money that is going into the business and you do need to reinvest you're not going to be able to grow your business without investing in it so I do talk a lot about making sure that you're not over investing and making sure that you're not going backwards and yes profit is definitely uh, the big goal for me but it has taken me six years to get to a point where we're in a position to be able to have enough traction so you are going to have to invest something initially it's not all just going to come to you without any investment going in um, you're going to have to take some small calculated risks you're going to have to try things some things will work some things won't work um, you're going to have to I don't know just gifting is a huge one because it's not just influences that you should be gifting you should be looking at you know Uh, let's choose a product Uh, let's say you do sell I don't know something related to babies is there hospitals you can go out and, and form strategic alliances with to give beautiful welcome packs to new mums I don't know get creative and think about you know what sort of people already exist in large groups that I can maybe align myself with in my industry to get my product out there Um, So guys, that's probably a very short episode today, but I think the point, once again, just to bring it home, is it's not enough to think that you can put a lot of work into a new brand, build this amazing, beautiful product, and people are just going to come and click buy. You need to now that the work really starts, to be honest, the day you press go on your website, and it doesn't stop. Uh, Being an online brand, it is 24-7. I talked about this in a post a couple of weeks ago. It really does start the day you launch. And you can't afford to, you know, I guess, pull your foot off the accelerator. You always need to be doing stuff online. You always need to be pushing out content. If you decide to take a week off, then it's natural that you're going to see a decline in sales and traffic on your website. That is just what happens with online brands. You need to be committed to it. There does need to be balance. 100% there needs to be balance. But you need to be realistic. Things don't come easy. If building a brand was easy, everyone would be doing it. Why are some brands killing it and others aren't? The hard reality, the hard truth guys, is often it's because in those early days or in those early years, you've got founders uh, and you know people building brands that are 100% committing to it. They are putting in the extra hours. I have a lot of balance in my life now, but that's because I put in so much hard work in the first three years of building this business. I was working 10 hours a day, seven days a week on this brand when I first built it. I think that's too much, but it certainly did allow me to make sure that I started to grow. Um, I would suggest that you maybe, you know, in the next few days, you sit there and you ask yourself, are you really putting in enough? Are you really putting in enough hours? Are you really doing everything that you know you can? And it's okay if the is no, but you need to be real with yourself because it's not going to come to you on a silver platter. We need to work for this, guys. You need to put in the effort. Now you've built something amazing. Now's the time for you to go away and do the work and do it in a way that, you know, no one wants to get burnt out Be strategic in what it is that you're working, but I think it's just so important that every single day you are doing something to create that momentum to help your business grow. Have a wonderful week and I look forward to sharing our next podcast episode soon.